Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Well, 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 it's Thursday afternoon. You know that what we do on a Thursday afternoon, it's Fresh Thinking time. A wonderful opportunity, as always, to talk, to explore, to think out of the box. So welcome aboard. It's great to have you and uh, I hope that you'll participate in the conversation, share your thoughts, even if they are, as you're about to discover, perhaps thoughts that are not acceptable, exciting or embraced by others. So if you need to know how to connect on the show, this is how you do it. You can send your messages on social media to either myself or Hi FM via Twitter or Facebook. Otherwise, there is the good old-fashioned SMS, 34519. And if you want to write something a little bit longer, so what works really well for that is the Telegram app, 0618951019. So what should we talk about today? Well, you know it has been playing on my mind a lot, and possibly on yours as well, and you may or may not agree. That's a little bit of a loaded statement. But it does seem... It does seem that in many sectors of society and perhaps within our own personal experiences as well, that people have a difficult time conversing in a respectful way and a tolerant way with people who have diverse or diametrically opposed opinions. In other words, in plain English, (laughs) you know, if you have a look in the Talmud, for example, we as a Jewish nation, are not afraid of difficult conversations. We're not afraid of disagreements. Have a look. Read the Talmud. And you'll see, Rabbi says this, the other Rabbi says the opposite. And they debate and thrash it out, and sometimes it gets very, very heated. If you've walked into a yeshiva, you'll see that environment playing out in action. Very heated conversations, very strong opinions. And yet at the same time, there's a tremendous respect for each other. And it seems that that may be something that either has eroded in society or possibly was never part of society at large. I'm not sure. Jury's out as far as I'm concerned if this is a new thing or an historical thing, although I'm inclined to say that it's a newer thing, where in today's world you can't actually have a meaning. Well, well, let's let's test. Do Do you agree with that? Would you say that that is the fact that in today's world you cannot just simply have a conversation with two very opposing views and still get on and still have the conversation. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is something that <coughs> is uh, is more acceptable or more, um, uh, I don't know, more common than I'm making out. I don't know. Let's, let's perhaps start the conversation with that. But my observation is that it's become difficult for people to, to voice an opinion that is – controversial, maybe for lack of a better word, or not necessarily aligned with the particular group that they happen to be with, or, the, or you know, you, you get people sitting at the same table, even people who belong to the same families, and there's certain conversations that are just off the table. We're not allowed to have these conversations because they devolve into some kind of war, effectively, and we're not able to actually speak. And as, as soon as I put this out a little earlier, I, I just threw it out as an idea for conversation on social media, and, and somebody immediately said, oh, you must be talking about the right and the left in Israel. And to be honest, that wasn't the first thing that came to my mind, necessarily. It was something that I was chatting to a person earlier today, and they said, well, you know, what about that? 
And I thought, okay, good point. There's definitely, well, there appears to be a very strong breakdown in the ability to have opposing views and not let that get in the way of your relationship in Israel. But I don't know if it's limited only to Israel. I could think of probably half a dozen other very uh, incendiary topics that you, you bring that up in any context and you'll immediately know who sits on which side of the fence and families break up over these things. And that's, that's what you hear. You hear stories, perhaps not so much locally, but you certainly hear stories overseas. You know, when the politics, for example, in America was very heated at the time of the Trump administration, there were families who literally broke up over that. You know, the Democratic part of the family and the Republican part of the family and they, they just simply couldn't attend family simchas together anymore, go to a Shabbos dinner and I mean, is that is that normal, and is that something which is ever part of uh, of a society or acceptable in a society? I don't know. I'm just just <coughs> just wondering. I'm wondering how how you feel about that. Is this something that perhaps we've lost touch with the ability to hold different opinions, to hold opposing opinions, and not allow that to interfere with our relationship? If you have a look at a family, for example. I think one of the most wonderful things to watch is siblings, even when they're literally tearing each other to pieces. Because what you do know is that as much as they'll tear each other to pieces, they'll call each other names, they'll attack each other physically, you know that despite all of that, they'll still be absolutely committed to each other. And don't you dare get involved. Don't you dare start up with a sibling I just beat up. So that illustrates that there should be, there should be the space and the possibility for very diverse and very strongly held views, but the capacity that despite those views, we can still get along and we can still be friendly and, and respectful and tolerant of each other. And, and it does feel possibly like that is something that's eroded in society. Or you might just argue, no, this is this is the way people are and it always have been. And maybe it's a little idealistic to imagine that it would that it would be any other way. Yes, of course. See, one of the things I know is guaranteed with our high FM listenership is that immediately the first responses we're going to get are from all the people with the sharp humor. So, of course, somebody says, I vehemently disagree. Which is, I suppose, a way of saying, you know, it doesn't even matter what you're saying. That is how people are. You know, this, if you align yourself with a particular group or with a particular ideology, even if we don't yet know what you believe, we're already disagreeing with you. And I know that the person who posted this does so tongue in cheek. Yet at the same time, I think it speaks to the heart of a lot of it. We, we classify people. Oh, you vote in this particular way, therefore you must share all of those ideologies. Or you pray in a particular way or as part of a particular community. Therefore you must have all of the, what I believe to be the opinions or the prejudices of that community. And, and possibly that's why we don't even get out of the starting blocks because before we even get to have the conversation, we've already written somebody off because they don't look like me, vote like me, pray like me or whatever it is that they don't do that's according to my standard. So, so yes, there's this knee-jerk reaction to say, I vehemently disagree. And I, again, as I say, I do know that it is in t- tongue-in-cheek, but I feel that it speaks, speaks to the essence of what we're talking about. Okay, so that's what I'd like to throw out today, and let's just see what you think about it. 
Do you agree? Do you feel that we have lost the capacity to be able to have hard conversations without getting too emotionally invested or without uh, the, reaching the point where you actually can't talk anymore? I don't know. Interesting to hear what you think about that. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. And as we always do, we're trying to think about things a little out of the box. Although the issue that I think we're talking about today has a lot to do with people being very much in the box. We create boxes for ourselves and we stick ourselves in those boxes and we create boxes for other people and we stick them in those boxes. And then we get all frustrated because we can't talk and we can't get along and everything is so hectic and so loaded. (laughs) So that's why I'm asking this question. Do you think possibly that, and I do feel that this is the case, but perhaps you disagree and that's okay, that we have lost the ability to be able to have difficult conversations or to hold opposing views without becoming opposed. In other words, you know, you know, it reminds me of is like the old days when they, they say that apparently in, when the Jewish teams, the Jewish schools used to play rugby against some of the other schools then uh, you would occasionally hear the player say, forget the ball, grab the Jew. Or as the expression goes, play the ball, not the man. And sometimes I feel that we get so caught up in our issues, we actually stop playing the person. Meaning to say we make it really deeply personal and we write people off because of philosophies that they hold, which are different to our philosophies or because of positions that they take that are different to our positions. And obviously that's not the way that it's supposed to be, but it definitely feels like that is a big part of how the world operates at the moment. So the question, I suppose, is how do we fix that? How do we change that? What should we be doing about it? Or, or of course, you may just disagree and say, but that's not the case. It's not what is actually happening. Well, let's see. Let's see what different people think. Uh, here's somebody who said on Twitter, who is we? Okay, uh, I don't know. Who is we? Take it whichever way you, you know, do we not have the ability to tolerate each other? I don't know. You're right. Who is we? Here is Zhao who says, I do daily exercises to tolerate divergent opinions. But in fact, many people haven't done that. And unfortunately, every day, more people distance themselves because they don't have the same Opinion. Well, I think that that is exactly what we're talking about, right? Is that people drive a wedge between themselves because of opinions and because those opinions become so precious to us. You know, I have to have my opinion and I have to hold on to my opinion. And if anybody's going to question my opinion, then I feel as if they're questioning my actual existence. And that's obviously not really, really um, healthy, is it? So, yeah. Okay. um, Let's see. John on Twitter says it depends on the views, I guess. Okay, I'm not sure what you mean by that. Depends on what do you mean it depends on the views? Doesn't are you saying it depends on who the people are and how strongly they hold the view? Depends if it's a view that really is an important view. Not sure exactly what uh, you mean by that. All right. So let's look further. Here somebody just said yes. Okay, let's try flesh that one out. 
Here's John who says again, okay, they're responding, saying there is a difference between being civil and tolerant of people versus what people today think is tolerance by forced acceptance in the case of forced speech. Okay, so that's a little bit abstract for me, but I think perhaps what you're saying is, John, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're basically saying that there's a difference between real tolerance and this facade of tolerance which exists in our world. Maybe that's exactly what you're saying. And I definitely hear that. I think it's a really important point that you're making. Sometimes, and, and this is, this is true for so, I can think of so many examples right now, but sometimes it is exactly those elements of society that we, whoever we is, I'm using this highly generic we, that we look at it we, and we decide that they can't get along and they can't talk and they have this tremendous prejudice against each other and we may, we may actually be completely wrong because sometimes people who are so civil and politically correct are not necessarily tolerant, whereas people who are very direct and gruff and blunt actually sometimes are highly tolerant. That's an interesting observation, and I think there's truth in it. I do think there's truth in it. Needless to say, it's a spectrum, and of course, we can't have a conversation about the fact that people are intolerant of each other's opinions and then box all of those people into categories. Obviously, that's also not really going to work. Okay, so it's an, an important point. Somebody sent me an article to read. Okay, it's not really... The ideal time to be reading an article, so maybe you can give the, <laughs> you can maybe just give us the summary, the executive summary of the of the article, and and how it relates to what it is that we're speaking about over here today. So yeah, there we go. Somebody says that and you must be thinking. I mentioned this already. You're thinking of Israel, the left and the right. Here's Richard. It says people are so influenced and brainwashed they can't think for themselves. And they follow influences. You know, it's really interesting. Uh, somebody the other day, I can't remember who it was, was talking about the fact that there was a time where children said, you know, one day when I – oh, I know. That's exactly what they were saying. They're saying the difference between in, – in Asian society, apparently a study showed that the average child, you ask them what do you want to be when you're older, and they say they want to be something like an astronaut, you know, some kind of a major explorer or innovator or whatever. And in American society, the most common response was I want to be an influencer. So maybe that's what Richard is talking about, that – the issue is people often just don't have the capacity to think for themselves. So it's not even that they're clinging to a position because they hold that position to be very important for them. They're clinging to a position because they've been told that that's what they should be thinking. Interesting and a little bit frightening, surely. Must be. No? Is it not not a little bit concerning? I think it's a little bit concerning. If that's what's happening, if that is what's happening, that you know people are – just following influences and therefore they hold on to their opinions. That's quite a scary thought. I wonder if that happened to the same, it can't, couldn't have happened to the same extent in, in societies in the past because people didn't have that scope of influence as they do today. You would have to have been a leader and a very strong leader at that to be able to influence so many people in the way that somebody here today with just with a social media account can possibly do. Okay, fair enough. Um, here's Heidi who says, I remember years ago, both sides could gladly sit down and talk about things without being, I'm not going to use the expression she uses, we were adults. Now you cannot talk about anything, regardless of what it is, 
If people do not like what you say or do, you are thrown to the wolves or cancelled. Isn't that the language that we use in today's world? If somebody says something that is unacceptable to a particular group of people, they might just be cancelled. Not sure exactly what that means. I mean, I understand the principle. I understand the principle of being cancelled and perhaps there's a segment of society that uh, excludes that individual and doesn't allow them to do whatever it is that they have to do. Okay, fine. I hear that. But – the reality is nobody can really cancel you. They can exclude you. That probably makes sense. So Heidi is saying that that's the big fear that we have today is that people are unable to share things without being, so to speak, thrown to the wolves. And my question is, so what do we do about it? Okay, fine. Let's accept that. And we can debate whether it is a brand new phenomenon or if it is something that has been part of history. The question is, okay, so what do you do when you find that people have a difficult time or that it's near impossible for them to actually hear what somebody else has to say or to tolerate and accept and respect an opinion that is different to theirs? What do we do about it? Love to hear your input. Three, four, five, one, nine. That's our SMS line. Otherwise, Telegram, oh, six, one, eight, nine, five, one, oh, one, nine. And of course, as you can tell, most of the conversation is taking place as it always does. On social media, so find Chai FM or find me on Twitter or on Facebook. If you have just turned your dial to Chai FM, welcome aboard. This is Fresh Thinking. You are with Rabbi Shishla, and we're talking about, I think, a very touchy yet important topic. We'll be talking about it for the next uh, kind of half, half an hour or so, and that is the question of have we lost the art of having tolerant conversations, meaning to say to be able to listen to somebody else's point of view even if it is diametrically opposed to ours and to still be able to respect them and still to be able to connect with them. Oh, that's interesting. Joshua just sent an interesting one that says – Theologians may quarrel, but the mystics of the world speak the same language. That's an interesting one. Theologians quarrel and mystics speak the same language. So is the implication that we have to have a little bit more, uh, I suppose, a little bit more mysticism in our lives? Not sure. That's an interesting point. Very interesting. And here is a an SMS that says, I blame the press and the media. It's – well, that's – I mean, I get it, and I don't disagree. It's just a little funny that we're having this conversation via the media. But, yeah, but I do agree with this. It seems that the press uses their platform to evoke strong feelings to increase – Viewers and listeners, the media has a responsibility to create a balanced view. Fox versus CNN, both are at fault for driving hate slash anger. Journalism is not what it used to be, be the balance, not the cause. Now, to be perfectly honest, I don't disagree with that. And there was somebody who mentioned that earlier as well. And people don't think for themselves. I think it was Richard. People don't think for themselves and therefore they're influenced by the influences or by the media and people are – Irresponsible, effectively. I think that's what you're saying, that they're irresponsible in terms of stoking the flames and, and, you know, creating these, I guess, radicalizing people in a sense. Either you're with us or you're against us, like that kind of thinking. Now, the truth of the matter is, I'm not entirely sure, even though I do believe that it's a lot worse now than it was when we were younger, but I do think it's not completely foreign to history. Let's just see here. Colin says, 
It is the way of the world now. The media, there you go again, the media and other forces constantly divide people into opposing forces. I don't think we have lost the ability. It's more like we're being programmed to act and react in a certain way. So there you have it. A number of people have made this comment that there are influences in our lives, particularly the influence of media or the people who drive or own the media, and they have their agendas, and they're the ones driving the wedge between different factions of our society because for whatever reason, it serves them. Not sure what the reason is, but fair enough. Now, uh, here's another person who says, on the one hand, yes. On the other hand, I think we're living in a time where hatred has bubbled to the surface and we cannot tolerate that. So I agree with that. Obviously, if there's real prejudice and real hatred, obviously nobody can tolerate that. That's not what we're discussing here today. We're specifically discussing where people have opposing views, not necessarily that the one view is I want to kill you and the other view is I don't want to die. <laughs> you know, that's that, that kind of thing will never be resolved, obviously. I'm talking about there are so many issues, political issues, gender issues, financial issues, religious issues, it's, and so the list goes on, where people really have strong views. And these are not these are not hills to die on, I don't think, and yet people do. Now, Darren is the one who saw right through what I intended to do today. So well done. Well done to you, Darren. And Darren's question is, did we ever possess, possess the ability? Isn't that why we are all sitting here with Sephira beards? Well, Darren, there's like a double. I, I know who I'm dealing with over here. So, so Darren saw right through what I was trying to say. And then also, of course, had to put in the comment about the beards because he knows he's dealing with a Chabadnik and that that would elicit a giggle. So well done for that. But the point is, what Darren is saying quite correctly is we're currently in a time of year on the Jewish calendar that is called the time of Sefer Asa Omer, the counting of the Omer, which once upon a time was an extremely positive time of the year. Its history goes back to the Exodus, to the, the period between the Exodus and the receiving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. And it was a very optimistic, aspirational time of the year because everybody was counting, as we do this time of the year, we count, we count the days and they were counting the days until they would have this tremendous divine revelation that they were so enthusiastic and excited about. And so this is a very positive time of the year, except something went awry later on in history. And the story is that there was a great sage, you've heard of him, his name is Rabbi Akiva, he's considered one of the greatest of all the sages of the Talmudic era. And Rabbi Akiva built from nothing, because he started as a shepherd and then became this incredible Jewish leader. He built up a yeshiva, a, a an academy with 24,000 students. I mean, it's incredible, it's something that hasn't been, hasn't been matched till today, right? Even today. Who's got 24,000 students? And then, unfortunately, in a very short period of time, there was a plague that killed all of them. And it was at this time of the year. And the reason we're taught why they experienced this plague, why there was this devastation, was that they did not, they didn't illustrate or they didn't model enough respect for each other. Now, that's interesting, right? That's interesting. They didn't show enough respect to each other. So that tells you that there must have been this kind of an issue long ago. We we're talking almost years ago that it led to this massive plague that eradicated thousands of people. So there you have it. Now, the Torah does not tell us any of these stories. 
because it wants to disparage those people. It tells us those stories because it wants to highlight for us how, number one, how important it is to get this right. And number two, how devastating the results of getting it wrong could be. Because here we're talking about people who are really good people. And they were leaders in the community. They were, they would have been the next generation of leaders. They were tremendous scholars. They were dedicated to a religious life. They were both, they were pious people. They were people of fine. That everything was good about them. There was just one issue that they couldn't overcome. And that is they could not tolerate views that were different to their own views. And that's what's so surprising and insightful about the story. A person does not have to be a bad person or a belligerent person to get stuck in the headspace that they don't want to hear what somebody else has to say. They can be the most beautiful people in all other areas of life. They could be wise. They could be of good character. They could be religious. They could be generous. They could be embracing of other people. But when it comes to this particular issue of tolerating an opinion that is diametrically opposed to their own, they, they just don't know how to do it. That is an incredible insight and possibly a little bit of an indictment on the human experience. Because, and, and that's why we're told the story. We're not told the story so that we should rec- or think of those people as bad people or failed people. It's to really drive home the message for us that anybody is susceptible to getting caught up in the world of intolerance of others and their views. So if anybody can get caught up in that mistake, question is how do we protect ourselves from doing that that's what i'd like to know how do you protect yourself from becoming an intolerant individual three four five one nine that's sms line oh six one eight nine five one oh one nine via telegram facebook that's where it is happening what would you advise the way to ensure themselves from being absolutely intolerant of divergent opinions This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, you got to love the tech and what happens when there's a little bit of load shedding going on. So it seems that we, we almost lost it there, but thank God we're back and that's what counts. So what's the answer? How does a person learn not to be completely intolerant of others just because they have such different opinions to us? That is the question. So let's go back to Rabbi Akiva and his students. It's a fascinating story because Rabbi Akiva is the man who taught that a foundational principle of all of Judaism is that you have to love your fellow Jew like yourself. So how then does it turn out that he has students who don't seem to be able to do that? Well, here's the thing. Let's have a look at what Josh said. Josh says, tolerance has now been wrapped up in the guise of agree with me or you will be punished. Discourse and disagreement is the most important ingredient in a functional society. So a number of people have said a similar thing, which is that we've got this pseudo-tolerance that exists in our world, which is basically if you listen and you do things the way I want you to, then I'll tolerate your opinion. And if not, well, you're useless. See, that's the kind of thing that in a sense was happening in the time of Rabbi Akiva's students, except one major difference. They didn't want to impose their view on somebody else because they wanted to impose their view. They actually wanted to impose their view on somebody else because they cared about that other person. They really thought that other person was misguided. And therefore they felt that if we, if we don't get you kind of in the healthy headspace, 
You're going to live your whole life misguided. And that's the lesson. The lesson is you can have the best intentions in the world, and it's probably something that we have to share with society. That the very best intentions, and yet you could still be highly intolerant and be completely divisive, even with the very best intentions. Okay, so the question is, how do we shift that? Here's an SMS that says, Hashem, Hashem gave us ears to listen and a brain to interpret what we hear. So let's focus on the first part of that. Hashem gave us two ears and one mouth. The implication, of course, you've heard this, it's somewhat cliched. The implication being that we should listen twice as much as we speak. See, the reason often that we're not tolerant of other people's views is not because their view is wrong. It's not because they're a bad person. It's not because our view is right. It's not because we have the truth. It's because we actually haven't even listened. That's the incredible part of this. So often, too often, the reason that there is conflict is because people haven't listened to each other. They haven't given the other person the opportunity to actually speak and be heard without judgment. So this message, I mean, I'm not sure who it's from. It's a, an unsigned SMS. Hashem gave us ears to listen. You know what that means? That means that when we listen to somebody else, we have to be completely open. And it's incredibly, incredibly difficult to do. Because usually what happens is as the next person, as the other person starts to speak, we start to interpret. So that's the second part of your comment, right? That we have a brain to interpret. The brain is not always our friend when we're trying to listen to somebody else. Because as they start speaking, so the brain kicks in and starts to interpret. And very often it doesn't interpret objectively. It interprets based on bias, opinion, about expectation. So we're already in our mind finishing the person's sentence for them or jumping to a judgment about what we think they're going to say before they've actually said it. And that's why there's this concept of proactive listening where you have like a guided conversation with somebody. And in that guided conversation, somebody facilitates this process that forces you to ensure that you've actually heard what the other person said rather than hearing what you think they've said. We could, and by the way, that's the problem with social media or text in, in, in general. It's tone deaf. So you put something out onto social media and that, I think that's where you'll see that there's a tremendous amount of conflict. Twitter in particular just seems to be, have become the cesspool of aggravation and aggression from people against each other. These black and white views, but you don't even know the person. You're not even looking at their real name and possibly not even their, their profile picture. It's could just be a flower or an icon, whatever it is. And yet you're jumping to the conclusion that you understand what they're saying. It's fascinating. We should only be asking questions and not the kind of questions that are intended to entrap a person, but real, genuine, curious questions. What did you mean by that? Let me understand it. Because when we're not willing to understand where another person is coming from, well, then it's a whole lot easier just to shut ourselves down and say they're wrong. But if we're interested in connection and we're interested in building relationship, then a far healthier thing to do is to say, let me understand. Help me to understand. You know, just 
let me see if I got this right. And that takes a tremendous amount of humility. And humility is not easy to come by and it's not common, but it's really powerful. People are sometimes afraid of humility. What if I'm a humble person and that just makes me susceptible to others taking advantage of me? Humility is a very deep human experience and it opens us up, yes, with an element of vulnerability. It opens us up to the most incredibly rich interactions and experiences even with those people we thought were our nemesis. We thought they were the enemy. We thought that they had something against us. We thought that because they have a different view, they're actually opposed to us. Now, if only we could get some more humility going in in our lives and our communities and in our world, wow, then we could actually listen to each other and have productive and tolerant conversations. What do you think? I'd love to hear your view. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So let's uh, wrap it up, I suppose. Talking about the ability to experience humility. I did mention a little bit earlier, and Darren was the one who brought us to the, to, to the conversation. We're in a period of what's called the counting of the Oimer, which is a very focused and very, uh, shall we say, well, yeah, focused is probably the right word, time of the year. We're supposed to work on ourselves and introspect and consider our personalities and so forth. More specifically, this evening, we're going to move into the next week, the fifth week of the seven weeks of the counting of the Oimer. And this is a time that we're supposed to focus on a trait that is identified by the mystics as hoid, which is our capacity for acceptance, our capacity to acknowledge that somebody else actually has a point. And it's directly related to humility. Now, humility is not necessarily so easy, but as I mentioned, it is so enriching. So, uh, interesting SMS. Okay, we're going to leave this SMS because it's a little bit off, off, off the track we're headed on now. And this, this element of humility, hoid, comes to its pinnacle next Monday night. So remember, we count the Omer in the evening. So next Monday night, we'll count the 33rd day of the Omer. And the spiritual energy that is associated with it is the most intense version of this trait called hoid, which means the ability not just to accept that there's another point of view or acknowledge somebody else, but actually the ability to surrender ourselves completely and say, really, I'm not an expert. I really don't know. And I don't know what the next person is going through. And I don't know the reality. And, you know, there's more that I don't understand than what I do understand, etc., well, what's intriguing about this is that that night, the 33rd night of the Oymer, when we focus on this intense element of submission, that is Lag Ba Oymer, which is the happiest time during this whole period. The reason it's so happy is because that's the date that the students of Rabbi Akiva, who had all been dying from this plague, stopped dying. In other words, that's that's a hint. That tells us. This is the clue. This is how we stop our society totally unraveling. It's through hoid. It's through the acceptance of the validity of, of somebody else's perspective. The acceptance that I don't necessarily know everything. Now, of course, there are crazy things out there that make no sense and we have no reason to give them airtime. 
but that might be the idea. It's never the person. And so that's what we should be focused on at this time of the year is the acceptance of even if I think the other person is totally off the wall and off the mark with their view, I accept the value of the fact that every person has value, even those with really crazy opinions. And if we can have the humility to see the value in the next person, even when we disagree with them, we could heal our world. So please, God, we succeed in doing just that. Until next time, I want to wish you to stay well. Be safe and have a wonderful Shabbos and an uplifting like Boimer.